0: Glad you're here. Welcome again to Christ Central Church. Uh, My name is Daniel, I'm one of the pastors and how amazing, I just got to say how amazing again it is to be led by so many voices up here. Uh, Charles Sands, our worship director, Michael, thank you. Everybody that's participating, it's, I mean, what what a treat to be led and it's fun to see. Uh, the fruit of labor come to fruition and be led on the same morning. Uh, Evan said earlier in the service that today is launch Sunday, uh, launching into a new sermon series that you can see on your screen on being the church. We're launching this week into uh, all of our formation groups, marking a new season of ministry. Uh, when I left for sabbatical uh, this past spring, uh, I thought launch Sunday 2021 might feel like it did in 2019. Uh, I, was, I was hopeful, I think we all were, that This pandemic would be behind us, uh, but it doesn't feel like 2019. Uh, The pandemic is still impacting us in in many ways. And I know there are many of you who are joining online that still do not feel comfortable attending in person or or are unable to attend. And so we just want to say we miss you, we understand, and we're excited uh, for when we all can be together again in person. Uh, Harvard University public policy professor Robert Putnam published uh, his well-known book, Bowling Alone, in 2000. Uh, As the title alludes uh, in it, he showed how the research was already trending 21 years ago to how we are growing more and more disconnected, isolated, and alone. The reality is that anxiety, loneliness, and depression, they were already on the rise pre-COVID, but now the numbers are ever increasing. Isolation, disconnection, lonely. Have we not all felt that in the past two years? Uh, One of the good things about the pain of this pandemic is that I think it has caused all of us into this forced examination into most of the spheres of our life, asking what really matters. Uh, As a pastor, I'm always thinking about the church, but I think this pandemic has forced everybody to examine what value do I place on spirituality? If I'm a Christian or if I'm interested in Christianity, what role does the church play? What does it mean to be the church? Do I need the church? Do I even really want the church? I get a number of emails every week from companies that are pleading, hire us and we will make your website the slickest website ever. Hire us. We will make your children's ministry the most caring and most safe. Hire us and we will help your Sunday service be amazing. And I'm not discounting uh, well-run programming, thoughtful events, even marketing. But is being the church about being and having the best programs, the biggest events, the slickest marketing? I think the pandemic has helped us answer that pretty clearly. No, it's not. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks in this series on being the church. We're going to look at how the Bible helps us to understand what the church is intended to be. We're going to do this by looking at different metaphors that the scripture uses to describe the church, things like the body, the temple, light, the bride. This morning, we're going to start by looking at the church as a household, as Pastor Mike said, as a family. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. This is God's word to us this morning. Isaiah tells us the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would speak, O Lord. Holy Spirit, would you illumine the scriptures that our minds might be enlightened, our hearts set afire, a our lives transformed because you have spoken to us, you've been with us. May we have ears to hear, hearts to receive, lives willing to walk in your truth. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be pleasing to you, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can have a seat. Paul writes in verse 19, chapter 2 of Ephesians, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. That's the metaphor, household. It's it's the Greek word oikos, which does not mean Greek yogurt. It means extended family. And in the ancient world, you would never see a family solely consisting of a mom and dad and their children living together. You wouldn't see a group of singles living together. People lived in households. They lived as an oikos, an extended family. This would consist of grandparents and grandchildren, friends, business partners, neighbors, All who would live in a common place, a common home. The oikos was necessary because in the ancient Near East, life was dangerous. And so this extended family would provide for one another. They would protect the refugee, love the widow, care for the aging and the dying. It was a community that would give a person an identity, a refuge, a home. Most of us do not live this way in North America, and I think that's okay. We don't all have to go live in intentional communities. But I think if we're really honest, every single one of us longs to be a part of a community that gives us an identity, a refuge, and a home. I think that's why shows like Parenthood and This Is Us were and are so popular. The current Apple TV show, Ted Lasso, which has been a gift in the pandemic, for me at least. It's about being part of a community the AFC Richmond soccer family. So here in Ephesians 2, Paul rattles off multiple metaphors to describe the church, but we're looking at being the oikos, the household of God. We're going to do that this morning by by looking at how being the oikos of God changes our relationship to God, changes our relationship to one another, and it changes our relationship to the world. So let's start with how it changes our relationship to God. Verse 19 again, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Paul is writing to people who all lived in Ephesus. So these were not strangers and they lived in different parts of the world. He is speaking spiritually, that at one point they were strangers and aliens to God and to the people of God. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 11 through 13, just before our passage. Paul there writes, "Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you are a Christian, God has brought you into his family You were a stranger, but now you are a son or a daughter. At one point, an alien, but now deeply known and deeply loved. This is the language of adoption. When a child is adopted, what was true of their former life is no longer the thing that defines them. They now have an identity rooted in a new family and a new home. My brother and his wife fostered and adopted their third child. The day that it was officially declared in the courts of law that she was now Layla Mason was a monumental day. Welcome home, Layla, now had a whole new meaning. Home was a place of identity. It was a place of belonging. Paul in Romans chapter 8 writes that if you have faith in Christ, verse 15, Romans chapter 8, you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Being invited into God's oikos, it is to receive the welcome of the Trinity into the family of God as an adopted child. The welcoming home party, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they invite us to come in and to find our identity, our refuge, and our home in the family of God. The Father says, I love you. I choose you. You are my son You are my daughter. Jesus Christ says, you belong because I have died for you. The Holy Spirit applies to our hearts and our souls the experience of being a son or a daughter. By the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And here's what this means. When you become a Christian, when you enter the oikos of God, what is the most fundamental about your identity is that you are a child of God. You're a child of God. Think about your life. What event or events have defined you? For one person, it was that winning game in high school. For another, it was a failure or a failed relationship. For another, it was the abuse suffered when you were small. We all have events that are so major, good or bad, tragic, that they literally shape who we are. Being brought into the family of God, being a part of God's oikos, it doesn't erase our stories, doesn't erase our past and parts of who we are, but it does give us a dominant identifier, child of God, welcomed in and loved by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Second point, being brought into the family, it changes the way we relate to the family, to one another. I want to point out three things that are true about relationships with one another in the family of God, in God's oikos. The first is that relationship with one another is indiscriminate, indiscriminate. Think about your own extended family. If you've ever been with extended family or even nuclear family, and wondered, how am I related to this person? <laughs> it's crossed your minds, it's crossed all of our minds, right? How is this my family? But here's the fact, you don't choose family. You are born into family. You end up being in a family with people you might not choose. And you love family, not because of common interest, but you love because of common blood. The church functions as a household. We are indiscriminate. We become brothers and sisters with others we might not choose. You become family with people that you might have no interest with, people who have completely different backgrounds than you. Paul writes in Ephesians two fourteen, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, reconciling us into one body. To be the church means we who are tempted to be at odds with one another are bonded together in Christ. Democrat and Republican. Black, brown, white. Stay-at-home mom, working mom. Young, old. UNC Duke, NCCU, NC State. For what bonds us together is not common interest but common blood. The blood of Christ who was nothing like us. In fact, we were his enemies. And he gave his life in death to welcome us in and to bond us together as his family. The second thing that's true about relationships with one another in the oikos of God is that relationship is vulnerable. It's vulnerable. When I moved to the Triangle in 2008, I joined the Auburn Alumni Club of the Triangle, Auburn University my alma mater, uh, which mainly meant being a part of the Auburn Alumni Club, that we would just meet at the, bar, you know, the chosen bar in Raleigh and watch Auburn football games. That's what it meant. Uh, and it would have been really odd if I were to have gone to the Auburn-Georgia football game to watch the game with the club and started asking everybody about their finances or about their dating lives or about their marriages. People would have been like, come on, man, this is the Auburn Alumni Club. We watch football. We don't share about those things. And they would be right. There are certain things off-limits when you're part of a club. But in a family, there are no off-limit topics. In my nuclear family, it's just me and my brother. And a few times over the past couple of years, the two of our families have spent a number of days together at my parents' house in South Carolina. Six adults, six grandchildren. Sometimes we bring our dog all under one roof. Fun times. (laughs) Fun times. And here's what inevitably happens. We start off by having fun. And then at some point, I and others want to find someplace to be alone. But we can't because there are people everywhere. So in a way, we're forced into vulnerability through proximity. There is no hiding. And everybody then gets to experience my joy of being with everyone and my impatience and frustration of being with everyone. Plus, my brother and I will often end up getting into discussions around all kinds of topics. How's our marriage? What's it like being a dad? Finances, struggles, hardships. There is no topic off-limit for us to share about or ask one another about. The church is a family, not bonded together around an activity, but people who live in such proximity to one another, spending quality time together that we see into each other's lives. There is no hiding in the family of God. There are no topics that we should not discuss. Nothing that we can't be held accountable for and hold each other accountable for. The family of God is allowed to be up in each other's business, not in judgment, not in self righteousness, but in love and in grace. We share our sins, we hear the confession of sins. We're held accountable. We hold each other accountable. We live not independently, but interdependently. James, in his New Testament epistle, he writes, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. In vulnerability, we confess our struggles and we confess our sins. And as the family of God, we remind each other about the forgiveness that is offered to us in Christ. We point each other to the truth of our identity as a child of God, and what happens as a result is that we experience the love and the welcome of God, and we are healed. The third thing about our relationship with one another in this oikos of God is the relationship is committed and responsible to one another. We are are committed and responsible to each other. We, We live in a consumeristic culture, right? All of us know that. Memberships nowadays are primarily places that you pay money to get a benefit, right? We are members of CrossFit and Costco. But at any moment that we don't think CrossFit is giving us what we want, Rachel and I will cancel our payment and go be a member of the YMCA or Orange Theory. If something different than Costco comes along that meets our grocery needs better, we'll cancel our payment to Costco and cease being a member membership in the church is different it doesn't mean you can never leave your church of course god leads people in and away to different churches but i do think the consumer mentality bleeds into how many of us think about church we're tempted to think that if the church stops giving me what i want if there's a, another group over here that gives me what i want i will leave the bible talks about being the household of god as those who remain committed and responsible for one another Being the oikos is about being something for others, not always about what I receive. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45 says, And all who believed were together, the early church, and and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. To be the church means we are committed to one another and we take responsibility for each other's welfare, care, and spiritual well-being. Lastly, I want to look at how being the household of God changes our relationship to the world. Not just our relationship to God, not just our relationship to one another, but how it changes our relationship to the world. Do you know how the early church spread throughout the world in such a short amount of time? It wasn't high production events, wasn't better websites, wasn't even trained pastors and beautiful buildings. The strategy, if you will, that God used to build and grow his church were men and women living together in indiscriminate, vulnerable, and committed community. It was Oikos. It was not building an attractive service, but rather being an attractive community that invited others in, that would give the stranger and the alien a place of new identity, being a child of God, a community of belonging where needs would be provided for. The church opened wide her arms and welcomed any who would come to become a part of the family. We're living, as I said earlier, in this increasing anxious and lonely and isolated time. People are more disconnected now than ever. And I think people are longing to be connected more than ever. Now is the the opportunity for us to be the church and to invite people in. And I don't think we need to look very far to see who are people we can invite in. Look at the extended network that you have, neighbors, coworkers, people at the gym, people who are part of your club, and invite them in to experience what the family of God is like. Kenneth Scott Laterett, in his book, A History of the Expansion of Christianity, wrote this. He said, The primary change agents in the spread of faith were the men and women who earned their livelihood in some purely secular manner and spoke their faith to those whom they met in this natural fashion. This is how God grew the early church. And I believe it is how he continues to grow his church now. now. Think about your own life if you're a Christian. What or who was responsible for you coming to faith in Christ, apart from the sovereignty and love of God, right? Who did he use for you to kind of come to faith in Christ or or to come into the church? A survey of 14,000 people were asked this question. Two to 3% of the people said, I just walked into church. Five to 6% of people said, well, a pastor played the the largest part. Two to 3% said a church program. 75 to 90 percent of the people said a relative or a friend. Being in God's family changes the way we relate to the world. We long for, we pray for, and we invite others to come and experience the welcome party of the Trinity. The Father, who's so excited and rejoices and delights to all who would receive the invitation to enter, the Son, who offers his place of glory because he took our place on the cross. The Holy Spirit applies all that Christ has accomplished and brings us in as adopted children of God. I do think the last two years have been very disorienting. And God is leading us to re-examine what it means to be the church. That's why we're doing this series. And as nice as this new church home is for Christ Central Church, as beautiful as this sanctuary is. It's amazing because I think Pastor Timothy and Pastor Evan are as wonderful as our worship is and our worship director is Charles and then our incredible staff team. We have an incredible staff team. And our lay leaders, incredible lay leaders, the church is not its program. The church is the people being and becoming the oikos of God. The Father welcomes us to enter in. He welcomes all this morning to come and to be a part of this family where we receive the irreversible status, son, daughter of God. And it's out of this identity that we are to be the family of God, indiscriminate, vulnerable, committed to one another. And as we are, we will be a blessing, a gift that will call people out of their anxiety and loneliness, to belong and to be part of God's family. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would, you would draw us this morning, those maybe here that have never received the welcome, believe they're not worthy to receive the welcome, those of us that have resisted enjoying the love of God, those of us who not acted like family to one another, those of us who've maybe even been afraid to invite our networks of people in, uh, Lord, you love us, you welcome us, you delight in us, we are your sons and daughters, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the family of God, truly by your spirit, would you make that true in our lives and in Christ's centrals, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.